Welcome to Goddess Rising. I am Brooke Kikos, your host, a trauma recovery coach, RTT therapist, and NLP practitioner. Join us in unlocking the power from within and using our voice to create real change for women to empower, learn, expand consciousness, and uplift each other. If you have been burdened by a past of trauma, abuse, and toxic relationships, this is a safe space to learn and embody your truth. It's time that we embody our feminine energy and become the goddesses within and stop allowing others to dim our light. I am here to help you shift from shame, people-pleasing, codependency, and the belief that you are not enough and shift into expansion of your real potential. It's time to say no to toxic behaviors and say yes to unapologetic self-love. And this is where we find the healthiest relationship with ourselves. I have Heather Russell here today with me, and this woman is absolutely phenomenal. I'm so excited to get into this discussion. Um, she really is here on a mission to empower high-achieving women um, to embrace the art of rewriting the narratives that breathe life into their existence, which sounds absolutely amazing. So she really embodies the essence of a spiritual life coach, a manifestation guide, and an energy healer. Um, practitioner and an EFT practitioner. So I am so excited to get into this conversation about how you've walked this path, how you got here, and tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Brooke. I appreciate that. So my journey really began, um, you know, I talk about rewriting stories. Well, I had a whole lot of stories that were instilled in me as a child. Um, my parents are Mormon, so I was raised Mormon. And it was it was an extremely challenging situation for me because I was the opposite of what a good Mormon <laughs> child girl, you know, what you know they had that expectation about how how are you going to be? And my parents also were not ready for a child like me. <laughs> you um, were so had I been the baby, or you know, I'm the eldest of five, like every good Mormon family is, you know, has at least five kids, or that was the uh, saying when I was young. Um, if I had been a middle child or the youngest, oh my gosh, I would have skated through zero punishment, zero expectations. But because I was the oldest, there were so many expectations and I really became like a mini mom from a very early age. So one of my stories was in order for me to feel important or to feel love and not get lost in the shuffle, I have to become like a mini mommy, right? Mm. And then I got positive attention. Whereas in church, I couldn't keep, I couldn't sit still and I was a loud talker. And, you know, you're there at church for three hours. So imagine sitting there for three hours and, you know, and then my dad is like so upset with me because I'm talking loudly and I think I'm whispering. So I was super uh, energetic and that kind of like bled over into being rebellious. So where I was quietly obeying and never really felt like it never really resonated with me. And so those were the stories that, you know, I started to develop. I had needed to be a people pleaser. I wasn't going to get positive attention unless I was like mommy's little helper. Then I became um, like the mom when my parents, my dad's business finally made money. My parents started traveling and I was left with the kids all of the time. Um, wow. You know, crazy, crazy things like that. 
Well, yeah, seriously, I can resonate so much with this little bit of this story because um, my parents weren't ready for me. I was not the, um, you know, the perfect Jehovah's Witness, which, you know, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses have so much in common and they don't even know it. <laughs> but, <Okay. laughs> you're right. Um, but yeah, like, so I can totally understand from that experience of being kind of the oldest and, and kind of being, you know, the rebel right? Wanting to kind of go against the rules, go against the grain, go against of like, I don't want to conform um, and wanting to have a different type of experience. So how did you know that wasn't your path? Like, when did you find that out that Mormonism is not my path? I'm not meant to be here. Yeah. So um, on my, let me just clarify, my dad's side of the family is Catholic and my mom's side of the family is Mormon. And, you know, we were wearing this little badge of honor, like, oh, our great, 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 four great grandfather, um, a W.W. Phelps wrote, he was a pioneer that came over to Utah and he wrote hymns for the Mormon church. So, you know, they were wearing this proud badge of honor. And I, you know, I started really questioned very early. I had this like little vision about, how I was supposed to help humanity in some way. Had no idea how to do this. You know, it's like when, I don't know if this is like this in your experience, but you know, just being little, and I think we were like on a road trip and I was thinking like, who made God? And mm. like, did God love me so much that he made me and the earth, right? I just started really having these philosophical conversations about like, who is God? And then I, you know, then I asked my mom, how come God doesn't have a wife? You know, but, you know, yeah, perfectly good question. God? <laughs> God? Yeah. And my mom said, Oh, you know, we have a heavenly mother, but she's so sacred. And, you know, we just don't talk about her. And I thought, what the hell? You know, so it's like <laughs> a little girl who's really independent, you know, rebellious at that time, mm -hmm. who's really energetic and outgoing. You know, I really wanted to have like this divine feminine, um, icon essentially like to look up to because it was just the you know as most organized religion is as all re organized religion is it's very patriarchal mm -hmm. so the man gets put on a pedestal and there's like little to no expectations for you uh, except to get married and have kids yeah so i started to pay attention and i knew that i mean i was really flirty as a kid i had two little boyfriends in kindergarten and it was amazing and i um told my grandmother Grandma Evelyn, who is my dad's mom, so the Catholic side, I said, you know, I'm going to marry these two boys when I grow up. And she said, <laughs> Heather, that's illegal. You can't do that. And I go, well, the Mormon church says the guys can do it. And she goes, well, that's equally illegal, but you can't get married to two people. And I, so that was like the first telltale, like, you know, how come they can do it? And then I can't do it. So I was like, hmm, maybe I don't want to be part of this nonsense. And you know, from there, really, like I was saying, I was really looking for a strong, feminine, female presence so that I knew that I could like embody my power. And wow. when we don't talk about it and it's hidden, I mean, sure, it's it's definitely sacred. It's divine. But we have to be talking about it because in this planet and in this incarnation, and this is what I believe, is a weird to master duality. So right now we're just... Oh, you know, uh, masculine has just been overshadowed and the divine feminine has just com almost completely disappeared. And then mm -hmm. we had feminism, that movement coming in, which was 
initially amazing because, you know, we were like, hey, you know, we want equal rights. And but that has uh, that has also been hijacked. So that whole movement has been hijacked. So now you have like over masculinized women and super feminized men. Right. So that's not the balance. We have to we have masculine and feminine energies inside of us Mm -hmm. that we are here to balance so that they become one. And that's the divine union. And when you were indoctrinated into these religions, you're getting that balance. You are only seeing a patriarchal side. So, you know, my parents never had any ambitions for me except to get married to a return missionary and have kids. Yeah. I didn't want to have kids. I already was taking care of my brothers and sisters. I didn't want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't like being told what to do on top of it. Hey, you know, like the eldest and stuff. But it's so competitive in these churches. I don't know if this was your experience as well, but it is so competitive amongst like the families. So oh my um, gosh, I had yes. an arch nemesis. I mean, yeah, he <laughs> battled it out constantly and it was like that family had more money than we did you know the Mm -hmm. um but it was just like it was a competition right my dad was friends with them and you know but the whole thing like they had to have more kids than everybody else and they had more money than everybody else and you know they had to be special and talented and all sorts of stuff and you know like they were up there bearing their testimony every Saturday or every Sunday and my mom would be like, how come you're not going up there and doing it? And I wanted to be like, because I don't believe this crap. <laughs> so I would like go up there yeah. and say my testimony. So but how old were you? That I need, really needed a strong female role model. And then hearing that I could not have brother husbands was a total deal breaker for me. Mm, <laughs> my gosh, that's hilarious. I mean, I, I completely understand that because it is competitive. Like in those kind of communities, it's like, okay, we got to keep up with the Joneses and, oh, we got to make sure that we're being social and inviting the right people over. And we need to have a different presence and we have to be extremely spiritual. We have to look like we are doing what God wants us to do. And I think this um, constant like feeling and push to do more, do more, do more, do more, like give more, give more of yourself, give more money, give more of your time, like um, keep doing what you're supposed to do. Right. And it sounds like from a very young age, you kind of really found yourself um, and said, this is not for me. So when did you actually say I'm leaving? How old were you when you left the Mormon church? Yeah, well, I told my parents I didn't want to be baptized. You get baptized when you're eight. And I told them at seven because I've heard about the lady God being hidden. And so I said, you know, I don't want a part of this. And it really caused a lot of contention. Mm -hmm. So I laid low and I got a job when I was 15. And my mom said at Taco Bell, and my mom said, Heather, make sure that they never book you for Sunday. And I went back, I go, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. And then I went back to the manager and I was like, I need to work every Sunday. And since (laughs) I got that job, I had, I never went back again. It was like the biggest blessing. I will, I will make you breakfast burritos to get that to go into church. (laughs) I love that. So did your parents, are your parents still part of the Mormon church? Your family's still in it very much so? Yeah. My mom's side of the family is still part of it. My Mm -hmm. mom goes to church every Sunday still. Do they accept you? Yeah. Beautiful. That's what I, that's what I appreciate about Mormonism. Like they at least still like don't abandon their children. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses abandon their children and kind of like leave them out in the the dust once they leave. I mean, maybe (laughs) they could have, I know that my parents and I uh, didn't talk for a while. I moved out of the house under 
um, like a stress, kind of a stressful situation, you know, my parents, you know, in, in hindsight, I look back and I go, you know, my parents had me when they were 21. I think my mom had just turned into 21 and my dad was 20. Like, who did, what did they really know about raising kids? So like I had to go through this emotional process about really forgiving my parents and like thinking, hey, they did the best that they could. But there's a period of time where we didn't speak. And um, and then my, you know, and then my siblings came to me because, you know, like I'm the mom and my Irish twin was having some issues with my parents. And I moved out of that time. And this was like, I think I'd moved across the country. I was already in Connecticut. And, you know, Aaron tells me about that. Aaron tells me about this. And, you know, I call my mom and I'm, you know, like telling my mom, like, what do you think you're doing? And, you know, blah, 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 blah. Because I have always been the adult. I always felt like I was the adult in my parents' relationship. Like, so mm. if my parents got into a fight, they would bring me in wow. and plead their cases you know, and I would be like, I'm oh, just a kid. What do I know? Yeah. You know, like sort of thing. And I was always watching the kids and stuff like that. And my mom was saying something to me and I was like, so I just let it out the cat out of the bag. And I was like, by the way, I'm a witch. And she was like, <laughs> oh my God, I knew the devil had gotten into you. And I was like, that's impossible because yeah. witches don't even believe in the devil. It is really about, you know, this polytheistic, masculine and feminine paradigm which I was just craving so much but mm -hmm. you know we didn't talk for a little while and um probably about six months and then after that really we just like kind of had a come to Jesus moment my parents have been really accepting um when I left Connecticut and moved back to California and my dad still had little things where I have tattoos and Mm -hmm. I like to drink and um, go see shows and, you know, take psychedelics, you know, but my dad was really upset that I had tattoos and I had, you know, had to say like, you know, I um, think I was like 42 at the time. And I said, I'm a 42 year old woman. What do you think is going to happen? Do you really think that, you know, like you, you have, you tried your best to influence me and now like I'm an adult and I'm making my own decisions. Mm -hmm. And so after he and I had that come to Jesus talk, because every time he mentioned like, Hey, did you see the San Diego temple? I immediately came back with something that was really hurtful because I had not healed my masculine energy. I swung the pendulum so far over to the feminine. All I couldn't even hear the word God. I was like, I, uh, well, wow. you know, it's not God, it's goddess. It triggered you. I just really dove deep into feminine mysteries mm. and goddess culture that I really couldn't hear God. So every time my dad used to say something, it triggered me so hard. Mm. And until I had that conversation with him about like, really, this is how I felt about my childhood. And I never really felt like you were proud of me, mm. you know, like, you should be happy that I didn't turn out like some other people in my family. And after that, we reached like this massive pivot point. So that was the longest explanation about, you know, yeah. like, do my parents accept, you know, accept yeah. me, you know, I have, I don't think any of my siblings go to church anymore. Okay. So everybody's kind of just like, they've had to kind of accept that y'all went your own path and this is what yeah. was going to happen, which I think is necessary. I think that's really part of the problem. I think, um, you know, a lot of, generational trauma comes from parents thinking that they need to control their children's belief or if their child doesn't believe the way that they do um you know i have no problem with my parents wanting to be a part of being a jehovah's witness like yeah. 
if that's what speaks to you, then that's great. But when I have a problem with it is when it's like, there's this lack of love or this conditional love where it's like, Mm -hmm. we cannot accept you because you do not believe the way that we do. And that is like pure separation. That's pure. I feel like pure evil because that is when you're taking away love from someone just because you're judging the way that they believe or if something doesn't resonate with them. And that's what I think is the the sad part about it. So I'm so glad that your parents accept you and they can see you for who you are. And, you know, this spiritual goddess that you are, which is so amazing. Um, So it's funny because I thought this is kind of, uh, kind of silly because you're like, we had a coming to Jesus moment, but I want to know what is (laughs) (laughs) right. Because, okay, we're anti-religion, but I was like, I want to know what your thoughts and beliefs are on Jesus. Because <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. No, I, 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 uh, I have a very esoteric idea of who Jesus is. Um, and I, I know that Jesus was um, a master, like ascended master. And he was a teacher. And even if you, even at, at that time in history when Jesus was alive, it would have been normal in that culture for him to have had a wife. And to have had mm-hmm. children. So, you know, Mary Magdalene has been painted as, you know, a prostitute and you know, like really unsavory things, right? I, I mean, what woman in the Bible has been, you know, who was her authentic self, right? Wasn't just this obedient, like who has been painted as, you know, a harlot or a prostitute or, you know, like, was it Sarah Lot's wife? She got she got turned into salt, a pillar mm-hmm. of salt, because she didn't obey, you know. Yeah what God said or what he said or, you know, something like that. So like, it's nonsense, but you know, I, I, this, you know, Jesus is Christed energy. Mm-hmm. It's Christed. Um, it like it's, it's Christed consciousness. So mm-hmm. it's a much higher consciousness than what we are experiencing, experiencing in our 3d human existence now. And a lot of people can't, unfortunately can't see that because we're, they're so tied to what is written in the Bible that they can't see another perspective of it. Yeah. You know, that maybe this person had such an enlightened viewpoint about things mm-hmm. that, you know, his messages are very different, you know, and then also you have to question about really who wrote the Bible, how right. many books they left out, who did the translation. There's many different versions of the Bible and there's very, a lot of um, different mm-hmm. translations in it. And one word makes a big difference. But Jesus's message is really beautiful and it is kind and it's about loving one another. And he was teaching love and an elevated ascended sense of self Mm -hmm. and community in a time that was full of war and hatred. So he was the opposite. He was like a revolutionary, right? And he's coming in from love, kind of like the dynamic that we have now, right? You need to be coming in from love and not this fear consciousness. Mm-hmm. Fear and right is our might is right consciousness. So that's really, you know, we just see that kind of like, you know, that throughout history. But that's really what I think about Jesus. I mean, yeah, I love the, you know, it's, we have divine feminine, we have divine masculine. He is the epitome of a divine, a divine masculine, mm-hmm. Christed consciousness. And on the feminine side, you know, we have Sophia Christ consciousness. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you for that explanation. I think that, uh, you know, obviously I resonate with so much that what you said, because I do think it was like he came here to give, um, just help people access a different type of consciousness to look at things 
differently. And I think, you know, a lot of the times the Bible also everybody thinks takes everything literal and maybe some of it's metaphoric and maybe you can look at it differently, right? Whether that's like not like this law or this dogma, dogmatic way of viewing things, right? And I think that um, that's what a lot of these high demand, you know, controlling religions look at things. Everything is literal and everything is a law and this is what you have to obey. And if you don't obey it, like, you know, all the, the control that kind of goes on in this this type of environment, which I don't think is one, it's not healthy. And two, when you're in it, you really don't know you're in it because I was in it for 35 years of my life and I was really in it, right? Like for you, you had an early experience where you're like, I need to get the hell out of here. This is, nothing's right about this thing. This is so messed up. Like you knew at a young age. And while I questioned it, I kept quiet. Mm -hmm. And even though I'd ask questions, it still wouldn't make sense to me. But I would still be like, well, I guess I just got to believe this because if I don't, no one's going to love me anymore. I'm going to be abandoned. So it's yes. why, you know, you kind of stay in those, those controlled environments. So, um, I love right? that your perspective I mean, on this stuff. It's nuts. It's, it's totally nuts when mm -hmm. the whole idea is about, you know, oneness Yes. and, you know, if you have somebody, if you are in this institution that is so controlling, you know, they're, there is, there is no oneness. There can be no oneness. Mm -hmm. There's just such a contrast in the two books. And I just wanted to laugh and say, you know, like if the literal translation of the Bible is true, then why did Noah go and collect mosquitoes <laughs> <laughs> and ticks and all of these unsavory creatures? That's, what I'm really <laughs> That's funny. I love that. Yeah. Like just looking at things beyond what we see, right? And seeing that there could be different perspectives, different aspects of it, right? And being curious. That's what I think it's all about. It's about being curious. Yeah. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. And then I just wanted to make, um, you know, just one other comment about these, you know, the, these religions, these organized religions don't, don't empower you to realize that you were divine yourself. Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, in the Catholic church, right? Or the Mormon church, or in a church, right? You you listen on Sundays and you listen to somebody who is interpreting the Bible or whatever kind of sermon to you. So you, they are the channel and then they deliver that to you. Where really the opposite is true. We are all part of this divine consciousness, this unity consciousness. So we are all divine ourselves. But these kind of religions take that away from us and, and tell us that the divine is in these mouthpieces. It's not within us. So we find ourselves being powerless and, you know, like, you know, it's the end of days and it's like, no, it's not, mm -hmm. you know, it's the, it's the end of this paradigm because so many people are waking up to their own divine power that we're all part of one. And we want to see better things for ourselves and each other, that same Christed consciousness that Jesus had. Yeah, that was, I love what you just said, because you're right. That is exactly what they do. They pretend like they're the channel from God to say what they're saying on that podium. And we listen like we, man, something's missing inside of us. Right. Yes. I, now I'm thinking back to like when I would sit in that church and what we call it a congregation, but like I would sit in there and I would be like, yeah, something's missing for me, man. I'm so, I wish I was like them. I wish I could, you know, channel God and know exactly this, <laughs> this, <laughs> I could get these messages and I could say what, you know, um, it is interesting because that's, and I looked up to those people and I didn't think that I had that. 
And then when you see the opposite side of this and you see that each and everybody, every person on this planet has the ability to do that. We're always connected to it. It's just how we get closed off from it, separated from it. So yeah, what a beautiful on conversation purpose. this has been. So beautiful. We're separated on purpose, you know, like poison <laughs> yes. food, poison air, poison water, or pineal glands, or completely, you know, mm -hmm. completely calcified. You know, we are so separate from ourselves. And, um, you know, like when I coach women about like going back into your body, like manifestation happens in your body. You will never be able to, you know, manifest health or wealth or whatever if you're not inside of your body. So when you're looking for a source of authority outside of you, which we've learned in religion, right, you're not, you are not that divine channel, right? Mm -hmm. You for, or you forget that you are that divine channel. And it's like, at some point, hopefully you remember that you are, you break free of that programming and you remember who you are. Oh, wholeheartedly. I think that's exactly what everybody needs to hear. <laughs> so being a spiritual life coach, just tell us like kind of to wrap this conversation up, which has been so beautiful. I wish we could talk honestly for longer. Maybe next time we will, maybe we'll do another, <laughs> another episode of this. Um, cause there's so much to dive into, right? Um, what would you suggest for someone that is kind of searching that maybe they're kind of feeling a little bit lost in what they do believe in their beliefs? Um, you know, what would you suggest for them that really helped you on your own journey? My, the thing that helped me the most really was, um, I started meditating and I had heard, mm -hmm. I had heard this one time and there, and it's a good bridge because it says that prayer is the ask. And meditation is the answer. Mm. So you you start to receive that. You start to receive and trust your intuition, and then you start to receive that divine guidance. So that is always the first thing I tell people. It is not meditation is not religious in any capacity. It's not anti-religion. It's really about you reconnecting with yourself and who you truly are. And sometimes crazy things come up and then, you know, we all have these limiting beliefs and these programming, you know, that are inside of this. But when we can quiet ourselves and be in that space of like silence and really like, and have that as a practice, the amazing things like start to come because you start to trust yourself more, mm -hmm. your creativity, you know, becomes unbound your relationships improve, you start to love yourself. And it's really like sitting in that quietness and that stillness. And then also spending time in nature, like nature is not separate from us. Mm -hmm. We are energetic beings, we're spiritual beings, but we're um, energetic beings, spirit beings having a human experience. And so everything is energy around us. And when we can take time to go and sit and ground ourselves in nature and really be in awe about how like everything is just put together and is, you know, coming to that little place for you and how beautiful things are, right? It just puts you in that practice of gratitude. Mm. And, you know, when you're grateful, then you have, you become expansive and then you attract better situations and people, places, things in your life. Yeah, that's so true. Thank you for that. That's such great wisdom. And honestly, I think meditation has been the biggest key to helping me heal my own self and help me to understand myself. So I completely agree with that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, everything's going to be, all your links are going to be in, in the show notes. So if anybody is interested in getting in touch with Heather Russell or getting to know more about her, you guys can go and look at the show notes. So thanks again, Heather, for being on here today. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Brooke. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Goddess Rising. It would mean the world to me if you could like, subscribe, and share so that I can receive more listeners because this is how we each use our own voices to step into our own power, create change and healing for others. Until next time, remember, you are the Goddess Rising.